Well, howdy, everybody. Um, My name is Austin Hornung, and I'm on staff here at Anderson College, and I just want to welcome all of you guys to Grace. Uh, This summer, we're going through eight psalms so that we can see what the people of God have sung to and about God in the past, so we can better worship and serve him today. If you were with us last week, we went over a song of praise. As you saw, it's a little bit more upbeat than what Kaylin read this morning and what we're going to be studying today. But Lament Psalms are actually the most common type of psalm in the book of Psalms. One third of them, of the Psalms, 50 out of 150 Psalms, are these songs of deep sorrow and in processing these difficult emotions with God. And so we're going to jump into that today. And we're going we're gonna to probably go some places that you probably have tried to push away. Uh, but don't do that this morning. Just kind of let yourself go there and just learn how to process these hard things that have probably happened in all of our lives with the Lord. And so even if you've never read Psalm 22 this morning, which is where we're going to be, uh, you you might recognize it because some of the words are used other places in scripture, really famous places. So you'll probably recognize a lot of these words as we get to reading it. Uh, So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Psalm 22. That's where we're going to be all morning. And so a, a lament is a passionate expression of grief or sorrow, kind of like this. Okay. And don't worry, you're going to get it next time. Oh, we thanks. all know it. <laughs> Bye. And play. I know you were listening to Adele, someone like you, and crying. Okay. And you know what? Last night I watched the series finale of Friday Night Lights, and it really messed me up, so... Say no more. Song of Lament. So they can be kind of funny when it's about silly things or it's other people's issues that they're working through. But really why I wanted to show you that this morning is so we could start out kind of light because it is going to get kind of heavy today. So we're going to start out hopefully kind of laughing together. Um, but yeah, so we're just going to jump into it. So for my 19th birthday, um, I was, oh yeah, you got some people graduating soon or graduated. Um, But for my 19th birthday, I was walking from my dorm to one of my friend's dorms. And as we were walking, uh, we met this girl from his class. And we realized it was her birthday also. And so we started talking some. I didn't really see her much anymore until the end. So it was my first fall of my freshman year. I didn't really talk to her much until the spring of my freshman year. And we realized we had a lot more in common than our birthday. We both wanted to be eye doctors at the time. We liked the same music. I could go on. Um, so by our 20th birthday, we had been dating for two months. And uh, by our 21st birthday, not long after that, we had signed up for Merge. And I don't know if you know what Merge is, but it's a, it's a ministry here at Grace for seriously dating or engaged couples that meets in this room um, on Tuesdays. Anyway, but we, we signed up for that, and so we thought we were probably headed toward marriage. And so at spring break, at that senior year, we were going to graduate at the end of the spring, 
um, was looking that way. We visited her parents, kind of started having those conversations with them. And then in about the span of a week after spring break, everything fell apart. And the girl that I thought I was going to marry, I was not even dating anymore. And I ended up graduating from college single when I expected to be engaged. And I don't know if you ever found yourself in one of those like heartbreak situations. Um, but the person that I'd processed everything with for almost two years was gone. And I was with all these emotions and no one to process with. And so the only place I really had to turn was to God, which thankfully was exactly who I needed to turn to in that time. And the reason I, I tell you that story is that when, when tragedy strikes, we need to process our pain with God. So process your pain with God. And so all of us have experienced loss or pain or heartbreak. And if you haven't yet, you will. It's coming. And I know that's kind of a downer, but that's just the world we live in. We live in a fallen world where we will experience these things. And so it's of the utmost importance that we have a good idea of how to handle them when they happen. Because if we, if we don't know how to process our pain with God, we'll, we'll turn to other things. The world offers a lot of alternatives and they're all to numb instead of to heal. And so we want to make sure we don't numb, but we find healing in this time. The stakes are high. If we don't know how to process our pain with the Lord, when the sorrows of the world come crashing in, we risk turning away from the God who loves us and created us and wants to sit with us in these things. So with all that in mind, uh, we are going to jump into Psalm 22. But before, before we start reading verse 1, this is kind of like verse 0 of Psalm 22. And I don't know if you've, if you've read Psalms before, if you've seen that little italics above it in your Bible. That's actually part of the Hebrew text. The, the people that compiled the Psalms wrote those in so you would know something about what you're about to read. Um, so this one tells us, for the music director, according to the tune Morning Doe, a Psalm of David. So do you all know the song Morning Doe? Like a, a doe, a deer, a fiend. That, that's not it at all. Um, that's not it. So it, no one knows the tune Morning Doe because they didn't write the music notes in there. But this, what we do know from that first part of the song is that this was a song. What we're about to read is something that people sang for a thousand years in the temple. And so not only is this David's experience, which is the second part, we don't really know when in his life this happened, but this is a real experience from David's life that was not only David's suffering, but it got picked up as a song of lament for a thousand years that the people of God sang. So it's his experience, it's other people's experience, and you'll see it's going to be a really famous experience of someone else also when we read verse 1. So verse 1 and 2 say, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? I groan in prayer, but help seems far away. My God, I cry during the day, but you do not answer. And during the night, my prayers do not let up. Have you ever felt this way? I, I know I have at a couple different times in my life where God just felt far away. And we know from a different Psalm, Psalm 34, that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. But it doesn't always feel that way. And so we, we, we see that He's, he is near, but he doesn't always feel near. And so there's this crying out that happens. And so this is actually the typical structure of a lament. If you go look at one of the other 50 in the book of Psalms, it will start out with the same structure, an introductory cry out to God, which we just read, followed by the lament, and they'll end with this vow of praise. So even if you've never read Psalm 22 before, you might recognize these words uh, because Jesus quotes them on the cross. 
And so these are actually the last words of Jesus as recorded by Mark and Matthew. Luke and John let us know he says a couple other things before he actually dies. But this is the last. They thought this was kind of the punch right before Jesus died. And so Matthew twenty-seven forty-six. At about three o'clock, Jesus shouted with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama shabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So it, it sounds like a cry of defeat. But don't miss that both David and Jesus are crying out to my God. There's this personal, intimate relationship that's there that they're leaning into in, in both of their lives, this most desperate time. And um, so it, it's, it's, not, it's not defeat. It's far from it. They're actually turning in the correct direction. And, and also, why? Sometimes when we ask why, we actually want an answer. Like, why are you doing that? You want a response. But it doesn't always mean that. Um, sometimes why means stop. And so, example you might know, if you were to go to Northgate on a Tuesday night before a test on Wednesday morning, your mom might ask you, why are you doing that? And she doesn't want an explanation. Well, I thought it would be a good idea because my friends were there. She's like, no, no, no. Your mom is saying, stop doing that. And in the same way, I mean, it's kind of like a light example because this is heavy, but in the same way, that's kind of what's happening here is it doesn't necessarily mean not necessarily looking for an explanation from God, but more than an explanation is looking for a stop. Lord, stop being far away from me. I want to feel you near to me. And so we actually have to go to God. That's why we're, we're spending a lot of time. There's 31 verses in the psalm. We're going to read all of them. But we're spending a lot of time on these first two because if you don't do this first thing, you can't, you can't do the rest of it. You have to actually go to God in order to be able to process with him. And like I said in the beginning, the, the world offers a lot of alternatives. Uh, if you kind of think of it in terms of medicine, if you were to go to a hospital and the doctor offered you antibiotics or morphine, um, morphine will for sure numb the pain. It, you won't feel anything. It'll be really easy. But what's going to happen is you're just going to coast until it's over. But if you take antibiotics, you can fight. It's going to be more painful, because, but it's where healing begins. And so the world kind of offers us these, these same two things. We have God as our antibiotics, or we have a plethora of other things that we can turn to um, as, our, as our morphine, whether it's physical drugs or pornography or hooking up or even less harmful and even good things like that could potentially good going to Netflix or playing video games or just throwing yourself into work and school. Those things are okay. They're not negative, but if you're using that as your coping mechanism instead of the Lord, suddenly that's not good anymore. And so even if we do not feel close to God as David didn't in this dire moment of crisis, we still have to turn to the Lord because there is no better source of healing. As James says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. So I started talking about how I had this relationship that ended really quickly. And um, what was really the breaking point was that I wanted to be a pastor and she finally decided, you know, I'm not going to be a pastor's wife. We're not going to do that. And listened to her mom and decided that was more important than me. And um, I, if I told you that, like, I wasn't tempted to run to these, some of these numbing things in that time, I'd be lying. I was for sure tempted to not turn to God. Uh, but, but what happened, the reason, the reason I did, the reason I fought to turn to him instead of just numbing my pain was because I'd already made the decision that I was going to go to him no matter what. I'd chosen him above all other things. I could have given up doing what I thought he wanted me to do and fixed other situations. But if you decide now, when you're in your clear mind, if you're, maybe you are in the middle of something really emotionally painful, 
Maybe you're not. But if you're not, you have a clear, a clear headspace right now to make the decisions that you probably can't make when you're in that emotional crisis that I'm not going to turn away from God. I'm going to turn toward him. Because like I said, these things will happen and we just need to be ready for them. So go to God with your pain. Where do you go in difficult times? Do you go to distractions? Do you go to complaining to friends? Do you go to throwing yourself into work to forget? Or do you go to God to actually sit and process and, and tell him what's going on and how you feel? So make, tell the Lord, process it with him, and then make the decision today to turn to Jesus when those times come. So after, after going to God with this pain, David points back to God's character in the next couple verses as a, a like appeal to cry out for him. So this is Psalm 22, verse 4. It says, in, your, in you our ancestors trusted, they trusted, and you rescued. To you they cried out, and they were saved. In you they trusted, and they were not disappointed. And that kind of brings us back to where Kaylin started reading this morning, that long lament. And so this is, we're about to, I'm going to read it again, that true lament. And as I do that, I just want y'all to listen. And I want y'all to see how many times you see David ask God for something. And it's going to be interesting because it's kind of, God is giving us a model of how to pray. He's, he put it in his word to us to see like, what does it look like to pray to God in these times? And so as I'm reading, just think, how many times is David asking God to do something in these 12 verses? So starting in verse 6. But I am a worm, I am not a man. People insult me and despise me. All who see me taunt me. They mock me and shake their heads. They say, commit yourself to the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let the Lord deliver him, for he delights in him. Yes, you are the one who brought me out from the womb and made me feel secure on my mother's breast. I have been dependent on you since birth. From the time I came out of my mother's womb, you have been my God. Do not remain far away from me, for trouble is near and I have no one to help me. Many bulls surround me. Powerful bulls of Bashan hem me in. They open their mouths to devour me like a roaring lion that rips its prey. My strength drains away like water. My bones are dissipated. My heart is like wax. It melts inside of me. The roof of my mouth is as dry as a piece of pottery. My tongue sticks to my gums. You set me in the dust of death. Yes, wild dogs surround me. A gang of evil men crowd around me. Like a lion, they pin my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. My enemies are gloating over me in triumph. They are dividing my clothes among themselves. They are rolling dice for my garments. Did you catch how many times he, he asked God for something in that? It's just one. There's one in verse 11. He said, do not be far from me, which is kind of how he started out this whole song. And so what that tells me is, well, for, first it tells me that when I look at my situations in my life, at least I didn't have it as bad as David, because this, this doesn't even, this goes beyond anything I've ever experienced um, but the second thing it tells me is that I, I kind of have, I don't really have a category of prayer like this most of the time. Most of the time, um, like in preparing for this, I've been trying to grow in it. But most of the time, my prayers look like, thank you, God, for this. Please help me with that. I'm sorry for this. And it's just, please, thank you, I'm sorry. And that's kind of where we go. And that's where most people go if you look at surveys and things about how people pray. But David doesn't do that. Yeah, I think we kind of have the assumption a lot of the time that God already knows how we feel and he already knows our situation. So I just need to tell him what to do about it and how to fix this. Uh, but David seems to assume that the opposite is true. He seems to assume that God already knows what to do about it. So what I need to spend my time praying to him about is my situation and how I feel about it. It's, 
It's more about processing with him and making this appeal to him. And if we, if we keep reading, we'll see that, that David does ask God for something. There's four more requests from David to God, and they all come in the next three verses. But they're, there's a, they're a little bit different than probably what a lot of mine looked like. So this is 19. He says, But you, O Lord, do not remain far away. You are my source of strength. Hurry and help me. Deliver me from the sword. Save my life from the claws of wild dogs. Rescue me from the mouths of the lion and from the horns of the wild oxen. So, we see in here, help me, deliver me, save me, rescue me. There's not really a lot of details on how exactly David wants this to look. It, it, it doesn't really matter to him how it turns out as long as God is near him and he gets him through it, whatever that looks like. And the rest of the time he spends praying, it's, it's, what, it's what he's feeling and what is happening and trust God to do that. And so if, when, when you're at a point in your life where you don't have any solutions, it becomes a comfort to know that there, what God really wants is to know how you feel. It's, it's comforting kind of in a way, to know that he has the solutions even if you don't. It can feel uh, a lot like this. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head and it's relentless. And I don't know if it's going to stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever going to stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there... Stop trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing... You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. See, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, you're not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. (laughs) So a lot of times we can want God to just be like that guy and just fix all our problems. But God's the perfect guy. He actually wants to listen to you and process with you and hear your emotions, and hopefully you don't have an actual nail sticking out of your head because that that could be a dangerous problem. You probably do want to get that looked at, but it we it's you need to tell God your your circumstances and your emotions. So when you actually do come to the Lord with the pain and problems in your life, what do you say? Do you just tell him about your pain and how to fix it, or like how what does that time look like? Because God wants to process with you. So tell him your problems and, and trust him to know what to do about it. However, if you, if you know Jesus, then you know that there is hope for the future. So re- remind yourself that deliverance will come. So if we keep reading, David's like all of a sudden rescued in the middle of verse 21. He says... You have answered me. I will declare your name to my countrymen. In the middle of the assembly, I will praise you. Your loyal followers, you loyal followers of the Lord, praise him. So what happened? All of a sudden, David, we don't really know how it happened. There's all these people surrounding him. The situation looks desperate. And then he's rescued, just like that. 
And so it's probably happening as he probably wrote the all we read up to this point when he was in this desperate situation and then kind of finished his poem and song after he was rescued. But what I really want to look at is his response to being rescued because it's, it's pretty incredible. So we're going to, we're going to finish reading Psalm 22, 30 verses. So we're just going to read a lot of scripture this morning to get the full picture of what's going on here. So we're going to start back up in verse 23. So, your loyal followers of the Lord praise him. All you descendants of Jacob honor him. All you descendants of Israel stand in honor of him, for he did not despise or detest the suffering of the oppressed. He did not ignore him when he cried out to him. He responded, You are the reason I offer praise in the great assembly. I will fulfill my promises before the Lord's loyal followers. Let the oppressed eat and be filled. Let those who seek the Lord let those who seek his help praise the Lord. May you live forever. Let all the people of the earth acknowledge the Lord and turn to him. Let all the nations worship you, for the Lord is king and he rules over the nations. All of the thriving people of the earth will join the celebration and worship. All those who are descending into the grave will bow before him, including those who cannot preserve their lives. A whole generation will serve him. They will tell the next generation about the Lord. They will come and tell about his saving deeds. They will tell a future generation what he has accomplished. So David's response is, is crazy. It's just this huge explosion of praise. He wants all, he's going to tell everybody about it. He's going to declare the name of the Lord. He's, he's going to, he hopes all nations know about this. And not even just everybody alive today on the whole earth, that future generations would know about what's going on. And hopefully by now that we've got to the end of it, you can start to see why this is the psalm that Jesus quotes from. Because Jesus is a really great teacher. And so what he's doing when he quotes this from the cross is, remember this is a a popular song that's been sung for a thousand years. And so the people listening, Matthew and Mark are going to the more Jewish audiences, they point this out immediately. And they're like, look back to what, Psalm 22 says, because if you, if you heard that lament, that part that we read twice, Kaylin read at the beginning and I read a second time and we listened for what the Lord is doing. If you take that section some other time, we don't have time to look at all of them this morning, but if you take that and then you take like in your Bible and then take your phone and you go to Matthew 27, which we read, Matthew points out like how every detail that David describes happens exactly that way to Jesus in the account of the cross. It's like completely parallel to what's happening. And so what's going on here? Because it's it's not really a prophecy when we read Psalm 22, right? It's David's true experience. It's this song that other people have taken up, but it perfectly describes what's happening with Jesus. And I, and I think what he's trying to teach us is that in that moment when Christ was on the cross, he was identifying with all of our suffering, He was identifying with all of the things that we go through, this lament that we feel. It's crazy because he's saying these words and he is God. And so in a crazy way for a moment, God can even even empathize with you when you feel far from God, which is kind of mind-blowing, but he he even understands how you feel when you feel far from God. And see, because God stepped out of heaven and onto earth. And he, he didn't like, he didn't want you to feel far from him. He wanted to be close to you. And so he became one of us. And that was Jesus. 
and he lived the life that we couldn't live. And then he was there on the cross with his tongue sticking to his mouth and people calling out insults to him and his hands being pierced. All, all these same things. And, and he was identifying with all of the suffering that we'll go through. He'd been rejected by the people that loved him most. And he, like his closest friends, the closest people to him had rejected him and left him. They were scattered. He was feeling pain. He was feeling far from God. And so he, whatever you're going through, from that time, Jesus is saying, I, I know how you feel. And that's why he's quoting from this psalm on the cross. He's identifying with what we went through, what we'll go through, and what future generations will go through. And, and he's doing this, and he's doing this to show us how much he loves us, how he can feel for us. And, and if he stayed dead, it would be a really sad story, and this would be a super downer. But as you'll probably know, he raised again three days later. And this, this last part of the psalm that I read, verses 23 through 31, it's this, it turns into a praise song. If you were here last week, it's praise the Lord, praise the Lord. He's done all these amazing things. All the nations know, all the earth know. And, that, and that's what Jesus came to do. He wasn't just the God of those people in Israel in that time. He's the God of all of us. And there's people of all tribes and all tongues and all languages and nations that will be represented around the throne of God. Because Christ identified with our suffering and he went through that. And so this, this praise that David's wanting to happen, he's looking forward to future generations and all people knowing God. And that happens. That happens because of what Jesus did. And that's why he's pointing us back. And, and the most beautiful thing about it is that it's available to all of us. It's available to all of us simply by trusting in what he's done. And if you do that, you have a direct line to Jesus. You have a direct line to the Father. And, and he's ready to listen to you for whatever it is you want to bring to him. And just trust that, that he's going to work it out. And so David found deliverance. Jesus found deliverance. He got out of the grave three days later. And at least in that one area of my life, I found deliverance too. If you were here last week, you know I'm engaged now. So at least that part of the story has a happy ending because um, it's way better now than I ever would have dreamed possible in the first one. And it just goes to show that even when things seem really hard, God knows what he's doing and he doesn't waste, he doesn't waste any of our pain. He, he uses it to sharpen us and to, to draw us forward. But I don't, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you've been through, whether you've experienced the pain of the death of a loved one or a failed relationship like me or an eating disorder or questioning your sexuality or abuse or anxiety or depression or addiction, whatever it may be, deliverance will come. And before you like kind of get up in arms about that, this is what I mean. Um, deliverance will come and it could be in this life like it was for David, but it might not be. It might not be until the new creation that we really experience the deliverance to its fullest, the, the deliverance that Jesus experienced when he got out of his grave. And so this is actually what Jesus uh, tells his disciples far before the crucifixion. This is John 16, 33. And he says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble and suffering, but take courage. I have conquered the world. And so when we, when we put our faith in Jesus, Jesus's victory becomes our victory. And it, again, it may not be until the new creation when Jesus comes back and sets everything right that we experience that victory. It, we, we could, we could come past it in this lifetime, but we may not. 
And that's, that's what we're promised. But God also promises that he wants to be with us and to process with us and turn our hurt into healing, even in this life, even if our situation and our circumstances don't change. Jesus' victory is our victory. And just kind of what I was saying, this is how our story, the story of God and humanity, ends. This is the victory we have to look forward to. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had ceased to exist. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, the residence of God is among human beings. He will live among them and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and death will not exist anymore, or mourning, or crying, or pain. For the former things have ceased to exist. And so this is the hope we have to look forward to. This is, this is where our story ultimately ends. And so remind yourself in those hard times, when things seem desperate, remind yourself that this deliverance is coming, not just for you, but for the whole world. The whole earth will be renewed. So when pain comes, we have a glorious future awaiting us. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And if you're lucky enough to experience earthly deliverance, tell people about it. That's what David does. God answers his prayers. He gives him deliverance. And the first thing he does is he goes and tells everybody about it. And even if you don't experience like earthly deliverance in that way, you're for sure, if you put your faith in Jesus, you're secure, you're going to experience this. And so you can at least, you can share that. We all, all of us who have put our faith in Jesus have that story to share where we went from death to life, from far from God to close from God, from in fear to having the creator of the universe loving us and meeting us where we are and and sitting with us and processing with us in difficult times. Just kind of as we look back at the morning um, and where we've been, you need to process your pain with God. So go to God with your pain. So that means turning away from the numbness and the things that the world has to offer. Even if it might be more painful to sit with God, go to God with your pain and make that decision now. That when it comes, that's where we're going to go. Because that's the only place we're going to find a true healing. And second, once you're there, tell him about your circumstances and emotions. Because from what David said, it seems like God wants to hear a lot more about your situation and how you feel. And for you to trust him with what to do about it. And so I, this kind of makes me think, maybe sometimes my, my prayers feel like they don't get answered. <laughs> because I'm taking God my solutions instead of my problems. So my solutions don't always pan out, but, but what, I, what he actually needs, what actually should happen, does. So go and in, in process with God. And then remind yourself that deliverance will come. And it might not be in this life, it could be. But share the deliverance you found in Jesus with everyone you know, and when you do experience earthly deliverance, share that too, and share stories of how the Lord has moved. Keep your focus on him. And so what we're going to do is like we did last Sunday, we're going to take like three minutes and just meet somebody next to you. And you don't have to to share a bunch. Um, You can share as little or as much as you want. It can be shallow, deep, um, but just share something with someone near you and pray for them. Uh, Pray for each other and no pressure, only whatever you want to share. 
and um, just have someone pray for you to kind of help us kind of end on, on good and actually taking these things to God. So go ahead and do that now. Well, Jesus, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this morning. We, we just lift up all of the different hurts from our past to you, and, and we trust you with them. And we, we pray that, I just, I just pray that everyone in here would spend some time kind of digging those things up if they're things we've been pushing away or, or numbing or ignoring, or that we would sit and we'd just tell you about them. And we'd tell you our circumstances, and we'd, we'd tell you our emotions, and that this would just start a new way that we interact with you, that we would learn from these lament psalms and we would learn to, to have lamenting as a part of our, our conversation and as a part of our relationship with you. Lord, I, I pray that uh, friendships would grow this summer, that the people we met around us, that we'd continue to see them at different things that we have throughout the week, that we would come together as a, a body of Christ this summer and that uh, the things we process with you once we get to some, once we've done that first step, that we'd be able to share different hard things with one another as well. And so God, I I just ask that you would move in this time of worship that we're going into, that your spirit would fill this place and and we would feel close to you and we would feel loved by you and uh, we would feel comforted. Even if hard things haven't been taken away, we'd feel comforted that you're here and you're in it with us. And although it may feel like it, sometimes you are not far from us and you, you came after us and you continue to come after us. So we thank you for this time and this morning. Encounter us now as we worship you.